today we're going to talk about planning your next game dev project. How's it going, everyone? I hope you're doing well. Welcome to the 30th episode of the Game Dev Field Guide. I am your host, Zaccavelli. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Zaccavelli underscore and catch me for the occasional Game Dev stream. Um, that's twitch.tv slash Zaccavelli underscore. We also have an open community Discord. Um, this is where we host a large part of our community. And uh, yeah, there's an open invite link in the show notes uh, if you're interested in joining. Lastly, today's topic was picked by the patrons over on our Patreon. Um, the patrons get to vote on an episode topic for a main series episode. And so yeah, this episode is their first choice. In addition to that, they also sponsor a bonus episode that comes out once per month. Uh, kind of on a floating date, and everyone gets that for free, and that's kind of a, I guess you could look at it as a gift from the patrons. If you're interested in becoming a patron, I will leave the link to the Patreon in the show notes. With that, let's start with the Game Dev Challenge. Game Dev Challenge is the part of the show where I give a prompt to the audience. Um, they go on to our community Discord and make a submission to the prompt. Usually it's some sort of game design or art challenge. Uh, they're supposed to be like short little exercises that help you get some practice under your belt. Last episode was about character design, and so we did an art challenge where we design characters and specifically their silhouettes. If you remember, a silhouette is kind of like the outline of the character all filled in in black. Uh, just so you can notice its sort of distinguishing features. And if you remember from last episode, we talked about how your brain actually reads the silhouette first, and so they're actually important for video game characters. And unfortunately, this is another one of those jams where it has a huge visual element. It's a little bit harder to describe on the audio podcast, but I still think it's important because obviously art and visual is a big part of game design. So if you want to see this referenced picture, go over to the Game Dev Field Guide community discord and look under the Game Dev Challenge channel, and that's where you're going to find all the submissions. But anyways, the episode 29 Game Dev Challenge winner is Brainless Panda for their silhouettes of the Prophet Pairs. Now, Brainless Panda describes uh, the Prophet Pairs as characters in Brainless Panda's world, and the world has a big, like, Game of Thrones crossed with VeggieTales <laughs> uh, kind of mashup, which is a really cool idea. Um, I watched VeggieTales as a kid, and I've definitely watched Game of Thrones. Yeah, this is a really interesting sort of influences and an interesting art mashup. But anyways, Silhouette kind of shows these pear-shaped characters, some maybe interesting headdress, or it kind of works in the shape of a pear with like the stem with kind of what I would imagine is like prophetic like clothes, like maybe a pope's hat. Brainless Panda also left a description of the character, so I'll read that because I think these are really cool characters uh, just in general. These pears, as the name suggests, are prophetic. They are capable of seeing the future, the past, and even the events of the present. 
Their magic mostly utilizes astral projection, but they sometimes have visions induced by stimulants. They are held captive by the rogue peppers of the Nightshade Kingdom. Even though they provide great benefits to their captors, they are not treated with respect or courtesy. They are often beaten for answers, and their hands were removed to prevent escape. So, <laughs> I don't remember VeggieTales being uh, quite so dark, but I kind of I kind of like it. I like it how it's mixing the dark themes of Game of Thrones with the VeggieTales type characters. I think this is a really cool idea for a world, and these are really cool characters. And I will say that their silhouette actually um, stands out and works pretty well. I don't know if the vegetables, or in this case, I guess pears or fruits, but I don't know if they have, like, if they're gendered. But based on the silhouettes, it seems like there is a kind of a male-female pair. Maybe that's just me looking into the silhouettes wrong, but uh, that's the sense I get. So anyways, yeah, congrats to Brainless Panda for winning the episode 29 game dev challenge. If you haven't seen, we recently added a bot to the uh, community discord that keeps track of everyone's game dev challenge wins. So there's sort of a, a leaderboard. And so looking at the leaderboard, I believe this is Brainless Panda's first win, which puts them in a 23-way tie for fourth place. <laughs> there's a lot of people with one win. So if you can get two wins in, you're top five. Start uh, participating in the game dev challenge. Get your name up on the leaderboard. For this episode's Game Dev Challenge, I want you to present a one-pager game idea. Present this in sort of a game design document way. I, I called it a one-pager here, but later in this episode we're going to talk about game design documents. And I felt like one page is a pretty, like, bare-bones document that would allow you to complete this challenge in, like, maybe 15-20 minutes of of work. These are meant to be kind of small exercises like I've said before. So yeah, you'll probably want to use some of the ideas from this episode that we're about to talk about, but for next Game Dev Challenge, go to the Game Dev Challenge channel in the community Discord and um, post your paragraphs, I guess, that come in in about one page. You could also probably put in some kind of art test or concept art. I think most people would accept that as a submission. Remember that even if you don't participate in the game dev challenge it's nice to leave some votes on the submissions so that the winner is picked by the community plus you learn a lot by seeing the work from others so yeah remember the uh, community discord link is in the show notes and jump over there and participate next let's jump over to the body of the episode on this show or this podcast series i guess i have a few episodes dedicated to the steps in the game development cycle but it has dawned on me that we've never really talked about the very first step, uh, or at least very talked about it like really in depth. So today's show is about the first step in making the game, or the first step in the development cycle of a game. And that step or phase is called a pre-production and planning phase. This is a phase that I think everyone does a little bit different, and the amount of pre-production and planning is going to highly depend on the size of your project. It's also going to depend on things like the budget and uh, maybe even a personal factor of how much of a planner you are. Because of that last part um, that I mentioned being so subjective, I'll give you an idea of how much of a planner I am, and then you can gauge your own expectations from there. So in terms of planning from like a 1 to a 10, 1 being like no planning at all and 10 being a NASA Mars landing, I would say I'm about a 4. 
I like to loosely plan things so that I always have a guiding light that keeps my overall game project focused and productive. It's really up to you how much you do like pre-production and planning, but I have found that most indie devs uh, do it in sort of like the medium to less planning area. Maybe on that scale we talked about, maybe from a 2 to a 7. And I know that's like most of the most of the scale, but I think your average indie dev will probably be in that 4 to 5 range. It's also a general rule of thumb that the more people you work with, the more planning you should do. This is why in AAA studios, for instance, they can spend a really long time on planning and pre-production because they have to coordinate teams of like 300 people, and so everyone's got to be on the same page, and the planning has to be really good. I said they can do this because some AAA studios actually cut down the planning and pre-production phase, and that's because they have like expensive staff members that maybe aren't quite useful yet in the planning phase, and they don't want to waste the man hours. This would be like your like game mechanic programmers, and if you don't have any game mechanics planned yet, then, you know, they can't do their job. And so a lot of AAA studios will maybe even cut down the pre-production and planning phase just so that everyone's working and staying consistent. This is usually doesn't work so great. And if you look at a lot of the AAA failures um, recently, or maybe some of the more big, bigger name ones, you'll see that the pre-production and planning phase is usually where it kind of went off the tracks, for instance. Um, There's a really good, I think it's a Kotaku article about the game Anthem and how some of the staff, I can't remember exactly what their role was, but they were at an E3 presentation of what Anthem was going to be. And when they did the presentation, the staff learned what the game was going to be at the presentation, at the marketing presentation that said it's going to be out in like a year or something. <laughs> so yeah, maybe don't mix your pre-production and planning phase with your marketing phase. That's a, that's a sure way to end up with a game like Anthem, which I think is finally, I mean, I think it was kind of dead on arrival and I think they've finally given up on it. I don't know for sure, but I haven't heard much about it. But anyways, this is all to say that there's a wide range of planning and pre-production methods and efforts, uh, but overall I think it's an important step that you should do, and today we're going to talk about the core parts of your plan and your pre-production. When you put this advice into practice, I would suggest that you decide how in-depth you want to get with the plan. In my opinion, the more in-depth you get with the plan, it's actually not always better for your game. I did an episode in the past about finding the fun and how iterations and playtesting are keys to coming up with good game mechanics. I talked about how sometimes you'll discover the game mechanics as you make it and these game mechanics will reveal themselves in weird ways like maybe a bug that leads into a feature or you gained better experience and knowledge as you worked on the project which allows you to make a better game mechanic. Be an outside influence Um, or just all sorts of random things that may change and morph the project as you work on it. Having an extremely rigid and in-depth plan cuts down on these opportunities, and this is especially so when planning the game mechanics. This is why I like to not go too in-depth with the plan and just keep it as a guiding light. The big problem with this, though, is that it allows for scope creep to rear its ugly head, so be really careful when you're kind of balancing this rigid plan 
with like off the cuff opportunity um, because if it goes unchecked, then you're going to get way too much scope creep and never have a solid plan and you're going to run into all the problems that come with scope creep. But if you totally block it out, you could be missing huge opportunities. That's why I like the sort of guiding light principle because I think it keeps the project headed in the right direction with a few key things, um, but it doesn't cut off those outside random opportunities or influences. Like I said, it's subjective, but that's where the less in-depth planning kind of helps me personally. So next, let's talk about the key things that should be in your plan. I usually think about it from a technical presentation and gameplay standpoint. You could add more categories like maybe a narrative category or like a financial category if those were applicable to your project. But usually my plans have some sort of, at their core, always a technical presentation and gameplay um, section. And I don't make too many deep story games, so that's probably why I don't have the narrative section very often. Maybe I should try and do that in the future. Uh, maybe for my next Game Jam game I'll make a deep story game. But yeah, if I was going to have a story be a key element in my game, I would definitely have a narrative section in my plan. Next, what you should do is take all these plans and ideas and organize them into something called a game design document. A game design document is exactly what it sounds like, and it's basically the document that is going to be the plan for your game. It can be made with specific planning software like Milanote and Trello, uh, and there's some others out there, but I personally prefer a good old Word document, or even what I've been doing recently is writing down all my thoughts in a notebook that I just keep on my desk. If you Google game design documents, you will find a template, or you'll find lots of templates, um, and some will be really in-depth and some will be pretty bare bones, so you'll have to find the one that matches your planning style uh, that we kind of talked about before. For many Game Jam games, I usually make a one-page uh, game design document and a notebook that I keep on my desk, like I said. For my big commercial project I'm working on right now, I do about one page per feature in the game, as well as an overall guiding light style sort of game design document. I usually keep my concept art, my reference art, the screen layouts, uh, storyboards, and kind of more of the visual stuff in some kind of digital format, and this is where something like Milanote can be really useful. I mentioned that my game design document generally has three categories of information broken up into sections. Like I said, the sections are technical presentation and gameplay. Another thing that I always add to all of my game design documents is the feeling or emotion that I'm trying to capture with a specific thing that I am designing. As you know, this is my golden rule for game dev. Um, and if you want to learn more about that, go listen to the key thought speech I gave on the first bonus episode. So yeah, I would really recommend having a short section that talks about the emotions and feelings that you want to capture. And I'll make a section like dedicated to it, and I'll just write down all of those emotions and feelings, and maybe some specific ideas as they relate to them. After that, we'll start breaking off the information into sections like I talked about. So first, let's talk about the technical section. This will be the section where we lay out the tools we're going to use, the engine, plugins, or whatever else you're planning on using. We'll also want to lay out some kind of schedule or order of operations. Lastly, I think you should include some info about the skills that are required to pull off your project idea. 
There's other stuff you can add to, like maybe this is where the financial info goes if it doesn't have its own section. But with the three things I mentioned, the tools, order of operation, and skills, I think you can get a good idea of how you're going to build the game. Which, this is good because it allows you to take inventory of what you require from a tools, time, and skill standpoint and compare that to what you have. So maybe you find out that your project is going to require a certain piece of software that's really expensive. Um, it would be nice to know that now so you can look for alternatives without designing around something that when you go to use it, uh, you find out you don't have the budget for. It's another good way to really dial in your scope because if you list maybe the skills you need and you find out, well, I don't have those skills um, and I don't have the budget to pay for them, then maybe that tells you, okay, well, I need to shrink that feature or shrink the overall scope of the game so it's more in line with what I have. For me, the technical section is usually quite small, but very helpful because knowing what tools and skills I have, like I said, allows me to properly scope the game mechanics and presentation sections that will come later. Next, let's talk about the gameplay section. This is where you're going to put everything that has to do with game mechanics, game balance, and game loops. We've talked about the core gameplay loop in a prior episode, and I think this is something that should be on every game design document. When identifying game mechanics that will fit into your loop, don't be afraid to reference other games. There's nothing new under the sun, and that phrase is extremely true for video games, in my opinion. Often a good way to explain a game concept simply, especially on a game design document, like an internal document, is to write something like, we're taking the fireball mechanic from Mario and combining it with a snowboard mechanic. So that in the end, you'll be sliding down a hill and throwing fireballs. Like I said, this is also the section where maybe you want to address some game balance. For our snowboarding fireball throwing game, uh, for instance, maybe we want to identify some enemy types here and assign point values to them. This is also where we would describe our enemies and maybe their behavior. And lastly in this section, I think it's a good idea to lay out some juice techniques for us to make sure that we have a good game feel. Remember that if you're going to leave any part more open, it will probably be this part of the game design document. And this is because, like I said in the, the Finding the Fun episode, or I guess maybe go back and listen to the Finding Fun episode for more info, but for now just know that good gameplay is about iterations and playtesting, and so it makes it really hard to plan and know like the exact enemy behavior that's going to be fun before you do those iterations and playtesting. So it's really hard to like write it down beforehand. Um, with a lot of experience, I think you can have a good direction, uh, but to know exactly and write it down precisely, I don't think is really realistic. So this is an example of where you might want to have that guiding light principle when first planning out your game mechanics. Lastly, let's talk about the presentation section. The presentation section is where we're going to identify how our game is going to look and sound. This is where you're going to do the concept art and the art tests and really all the visual, you know, planning. I like to think of concept art as the design document itself for the art of the game. Concept art is like the guiding light that guides the art direction. Concept art can be of anything. It can be of items, places, characters, and a lot of times the final art in your game 
won't look like the concept art, but you'll see the same ideas presented in both. This could be like a certain motif on a character's clothes or a certain look of a building or item. An art test, on the other hand, is much more close to how the art will actually look on screen. Your concept art might be in a more traditional, like a pencil sketch or a painting or something, and an art test will be like um, preliminary in-game pixel art sprites. That's not always the case, but that's just an example that I think kind of explains the difference between concept art and an art test. In these art tests and in the presentation section is also where you might want to decide the screen look and like the overall UI. I find it really helpful to draw the entire screen um, and get a good sense of the UI layout. So draw, even if you're just using stick figures and like squiggles for where text is going to go, I think it's a really good idea to draw out where all the panels of your UI are going to be. Like I said before, doing lots of iterations is a good way of getting the best result. So by doing this method of drawing what the screen layout will look like, you can iterate on its look very fast and get to a good result in your pre-planning phase. I mentioned earlier that this section might be where you decide what your game is going to sound like. And to be honest, sound is one of my weak points. And maybe it's due to the fact that I haven't really come up with a good way or have learned a good way to plan or pre-produce sound. And it's something I usually just do by feel, like as I'm working on the game. So if you know of a good method of sound pre-production or planning, um, please come jump onto the Discord and educate me and anyone else. So yeah, we talked about a few different um, sections and I just would like to sum them up quickly or kind of sum up the whole pre-production and planning phase in general. The first step in a game's life cycle is the pre-production and planning step. This is an important step where you will lay out the blueprint for your game. It can be as skeleton or as in-depth as you like. I personally prefer a slightly more bare-bones approach that is flexible to iterations and new influences. Remember that doing this, however, opens the door to scope creep, so be very careful about sticking to your guiding light and not, I guess, straying too far off the path. The kinds of things that go into your plan are usually grouped into sections. For me, these sections usually consist of a technical, gameplay, and presentation section. You may also want to include other things like narrative or financial or other stuff like that if it's relevant to your project. All of this will be organized into something called a game design document. There is no one game design document, and you really can make it whatever you want. Um, if you're looking for examples, you might Google a game design document template, and there will be ones all over the spectrum from bare bones to in-depth on there. There is some software out there that can help you organize it, like Trello and Millinote, but honestly, I prefer a good old Word document and notebook on my desk. In addition to the sections that I mentioned previously, I would really recommend a short section that discusses the golden rule of game dev. That is, of course, to identify the core feelings and emotions you want to capture and what you want the player to feel while experiencing your game or maybe that specific feature that you're talking about. In the technical section, you're going to lay out the tools and methods that you're going to use, as well as come up with some kind of order of operations or schedule. Remember to make a list of things that you will need, including skills, 
and compare that to what you have. In your gameplay section, you should describe things like the core game loop, game balance, and overall mechanics. Don't be afraid to reference other games so that you can get a clear idea of what you want. Of all the sections, this might be the one that's most open-ended because it's really hard to know what's fun before playtesting it. Lastly, remember that the presentation section, you're going to lay out the look and sound of your game. This is where your concept art and your art tests and your reference art and all that visual stuff goes. Concept art is a great way to express the ideas of your game and, in my opinion, is like the visual design document. Art tests are a little more focused on exactly how the in-game look or how art will be presented on the screen. Take this opportunity in your pre-production phase to sketch out lots of screen layouts so that you know what looks good. And lastly, we didn't talk about this in the episode, but I think this is a very key point. The pre-production and planning step is very important, but don't get stuck in it. There are tons and tons and tons of game developers out there who have been planning a game idea for years, but never have actually started working on it. And so I just want to leave you with this thought and maybe a warning. It's easy to get stuck in the pre-production and planning phase. But the only way you're ever going to find out if your plan is good or not is by starting and testing it. So yeah, that's the episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, Don't forget to come check out the community Discord. Uh, We do all sorts of fun things like a monthly game jam, game dev challenges, show and tell, uh, and just general talk about the craft of game dev. Um, I'll leave the open invite link in the show notes. Don't forget about the patrons, um, or the Patreon, rather. I think there's a new poll up for what the next episode's going to be. Remember, this one was chosen by the patrons for the month of April. So yeah, I'll leave a link in the show notes in case you're interested in that. Lastly, if you want to reach out to me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Zachavelli underscore. And I've been doing occasional streams on twitch.tv slash Zachavelli underscore. With that, I'm going to sign off. I have been Zeccavelli, and I love it when a plan comes together. I'll see you guys next time.